1: Outfield shallow, infield in the one-one swinging a line drive, fair ball into left field, and the Red Sox are going to win it with four runs in the ninth. Rob Refsnyder, the hero, he is mobbed between first and second. What a win for the Red Sox! Nine-eight, a winner.
2: <laughs>
1: oh God, fun with
3: audio. Will Fleming all kinds of excited last night after the Red Sox got a nine eight win against Texas. I do believe if I uh I do believe if I heard correctly at the end of the pregame chat with Alex Cora, I think the line from Will was, All right, let's have a twenty five win month. There we go. And he joins <laughs> us on the Harbor One hotline. Mr. Fleming, how are you?
1: You can't bleeping win them all if you don't win the bleeping first one. So, <laughs> there you, you go. Know, I'm sure uh, you
3: mixed in a bleep in a call, except when it was either during the losing streak or something like that or go to break or or just, oh, God dang it, and just let it fly. There is a
1: lot of trust we place in Ben Charleston in between innings because yes. some of the things we're saying between innings <laughs> are, uh, are unpleasant. It's just been that kind of year, and I think it's sort of why – you know, last night was so fun because we all came into this season thinking that there'd be a lot more nights like that. So uh, hopefully, you know, at this at this juncture, you can only hope for good games and more drama like that. And, uh, you know, the lineup is better than it's been at, all, at any point all season. So hopefully they can get enough pitching and, and try to make the last month uh, compelling.
2: Now, do you allow yourself as a broadcaster when, you know, the team's out of it, do you maybe experiment with some new catchphrases or maybe some <laughs> new things for next season? Like maybe a player might be doing now. Does it, does it apply to you? <laughs> <laughs> Workshopping before the A.T.O.
1: Oh, baby, Gee, did Rob ever steal that one? No, I mean, I think... I think as you guys know I'm not real big on catchphrases no. <laughs> anyway. So uh you know I I guarantee you we will have we'll have some different conversations that's for sure. Right. I mean you know you cannot I Like to me, you know, Red Sox nation uh, rightly is frustrated with the way that everything has gone this season, and, and I think it's certainly our job to acknowledge uh, the things that have gone wrong and the mistakes that were maybe made, even going all the way back to spring training. But that doesn't mean that I think for the next 30 games, we need to relitigate it every single night. So you know, definitely there will be some more, assuming that something miraculous doesn't happen. Um, I think that there will be a little bit more extracurricular conversation going on, as there should be. And, you know, the other part of it is that's why I'm glad Connor Wong is back up. I'm glad Zach Kelly gets a look. Uh, Hopefully Tristan Casas comes up because then, you know, it's time to get some answers about some of the pieces going forward and, and who will be here. Uh, in the future, but uh, I I doubt I'll Meyer the last month, but you know what? (laughs) If they lose 15 in a row, anything's possible.
3: I'll tell you what, I wait for the Harry Doyle, where you hear the ice (laughs) in the glass, and you're just losing it at the end there. No, but in all seriousness, yes, exactly. Uh, John Sterling, too, you rattle the ice anyway. But uh, uh, you mentioned the Youngs, and we can get to them, but I wonder about some of the guys who are playing for something, like Xander Bogarts, Do you think this month is important in terms of Xander Bogart's in thinking about free agency, or is this month bigger for the Red Sox to try to convince Xander Bogart's Either don't opt out or opt out and we already have a deal in place. How do you see that evolving over the next four weeks?
1: He's going to opt out. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. It'd be malpractice for him not to do that with the free agent market coming to bear, as it will. Um, I I don't think it's important for Xander to prove anything over the last month. He is the player that he is. The market, the world knows it. Uh, and shame on the Red Sox if they don't know it. And, and they do, though. I mean, you hear everything that Haim Bloom says. Sam Kennedy's been on our air several times and I believe them I take them at their word that they want to get this thing done and I, you know the truth of the matter is I think as I've said from the beginning um, there is a middle ground and I think there there will be a happy medium and I think that both sides will agree to it I really do I've thought that all along even in the depths of despair like at the all-star break uh, and even his opening press conference when he sounded so downtrodden Uh, You know, the one thing that I continue to be so uh, impressed with uh, about Xander is that he just comes to post every single day. And he's been hurt all year. Uh, This has not been the season that he wanted for himself or for the team. Uh, But he just kind of does everything he can to carry this team on his back. So, uh, again, how many times in, in our little chats every week have I said to you guys, if you are around this team for two minutes and you don't understand that Xander Bogarts has to be here and should be here and is the heart of everything I don't know what to tell you I mean I really don't I, I to me the the entire point of the endeavor is to get players and people like Xander Bogarts and Rafi Devers so I'm confident and hopeful that both those things can get done
2: it did seem like Heim Bloom, may not have realized how important Christian Vasquez was to the team when he got dealt. And I know he's not the player that Bogarts or Devers is, but you saw the immediate impact it had on those two guys specifically when, when Vasquez got traded for a couple minor leaguers. So I'm with you. Most people should see how important he is, but I wonder if this front office specifically just looks at the numbers and doesn't really look at like the personal side of
0: it.
1: Well, I hope not. I mean, a couple counterpoints to that. Number one, Uh, They brought Kyle Schwarber over because they thought he was a high character, great leader We can talk about why he's not here anymore, but they did that. They brought Tommy Pham over because they thought he needed to inject some energy into the group, and they brought Trevor's Story over, and even though he's missed a bunch of the year with injury, he's an incredibly high-character player that they thought would assimilate well with the group, and he has. And I think the same is true of Rich Hill and Michael Waka. So I would say that there is a defined pattern and history of them understanding that they want high-character guys in the clubhouse. Uh, but that's a little different than saying there's a premium to be paid for people who've done it in our room for a decade who are the leaders for our team. And, and um, I, again, I think that there's worth putting a little extra on top of any contract offer because of a history of that.
3: Uh, what about guys like uh, Nathan Avaldi? I know there's been the injuries. He's been in and out of the lineup this year. Do you have any vibe, read, what? might be happening with him here this final month, or, or is it already kind of decided that he might? they might just sunset him and he's off onto a different address?
1: I think the next week will determine what they do with Nate because he keeps trying to get back. He keeps throwing and somewhat progressing. But if you're 12 games back with 17 to go, Uh, why push it with Nate? And I know he's not under contract for the Red Sox next year, right? um, but that doesn't mean they're not interested in having him back. And moreover, just on a human side, he's been a total warrior for them, and they're not going to ask him to do something to endanger his future. Um, I think Nate wants to be back. I think the Red Sox are interested in having him back. And I do think uh, in sort of an unintentional way, this latest wave of injury probably makes it more possible for that to happen. Because, you know, if Nate had gone two years like last year, where he was just healthy the whole way and a workhorse and a total ace, you know, he probably prices himself out of what the Red Sox were comfortable doing at that age and at that point in his career. But I know that there's mutual interest. I know that Nate uh, wants to be here, and I think the Red Sox would love to have him back. Uh, the, the dollars will will determine whether that's possible or not. And on the flip side, guys, I do think that the wins and losses over the next seven to ten days will absolutely dictate How much of somebody like John Schreiber and Garrett Whitlock and some of those kinds of guys that we see because they are big parts of the future. They are young. They are reaching innings limits. They have had some injury problems. So if the Red Sox are out of it, I don't think we'll see Schreiber and Whitlock and some of those guys down the stretch because why would you? There's no point to jeopardize their future. So there's a lot at stake, even if it's not a direct lineage to the playoff push, uh, how relevant they are down the stretch. I think we'll have a lot to say about who's on the field and who isn't.
2: What do you think the future is of J.D. Martinez, a guy who had an unbelievable year his first year here, a really good follow-up year, uh, like the rest of the team, not good in 2020, and then a solid season last year, and then this year it is really, outside of one month, it has not been very strong for him, and he's now 35 years old. So what do you see the, the future for J.D. Martinez?
1: Well, uh, I, I, it's muddled, that's for sure. Um, it is less of a guarantee than it has been at any time that the Red Sox will offer him you know, that qualifying number. I think it's going to be between 18 and $20 million. Um, and I'm not sure that the market will, will give him that. I'm really not. Now, um, it, the question becomes, are the Red Sox interested in the potential that he gets that, and then they get the, the draft pick in return? Um, I'm not so sure that there are so many signs that uh, this is a different thing. Um, And that indeed maybe, you know, we're on the downside a little bit. And J.D.'s been a spectacular player for the Red Sox. And really from the time he overhauled his swing, uh, when the Astros didn't believe in him and he went to the Tigers and the D-backs and the Red Sox, you know, he's been one of the great run producers in the entire sport. Uh, I never really count him out because he does have this uncanny ability not just to work and tinker, but to figure it out and find things. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, some of his main hitting gurus, are currently working for the Los Angeles Dodgers and other teams. Would it surprise me uh, if in the offseason he works with some of them, finds something, and goes off for another year or two? Uh, It wouldn't, but that doesn't mean that it is necessarily in the Red Sox' best interest to keep trying the same things with him at the dollar figure that it would probably take.
3: Will Fleming joining us here to talk some Red Sox. Of course, he of the Red Sox Network here with Gresh and Keefe. Um Who are a couple of the young guys that you think will can either pitch or play their way into either a better spot or a roster spot for next year? Can we can we even say that that there are guys like it's just either everybody auditioning? It's so open. We don't really know. Or are there a couple of youngs here that you think could really grab the bull by the horns and interject themselves into 2023 in a big way?
1: I think the most interesting and important one is Connor Wong because, you know, he has been to the big leagues before and he's done some impressive things, I think particularly defensively. But offensively, he's been overmatched. But at A the last two weeks, he really seems to have turned a corner. I think he's hit eight home runs in his last 15 games. Uh, and the Red Sox think – that he made a major, major leap offensively and that he's able to catch up to fastballs. Now, the question is <laughs> does he do that at the big league level too? Because AAA ain't the big leagues and it's never been further apart ever in the history of the sport. But if he does prove that for the next month, well, then that alters vastly the Red Sox offseason plans, because I do think there is a real hole as, as at the starting catcher's spot. And I know the Red Sox have been interested uh, in Sean Murphy. He would cost a ton in prospects and capital. Uh, they were in on Jacob Stallings in the offseason, and they're also still interested in bringing Christian Vasquez back. I do think Reese McGuire is going to be at the very least the backup catcher, and he's been really good for the team. Uh, so he'll be a part of this thing going forward. But the question is, who's the everyday catcher? Guy, who do you feel really good about you know five days out of every week uh, and if Connor Wong could could make a step in that direction, I think that 'd be a big development and then of course, you know when does Tristan Casas get a look because You know, he's the guy that everyone wants to see. The Red Sox are adamant that he needs more development. He needs to keep doing it. He had another home run last night. Hopefully, he kicks the door down to the big leagues. Uh, You know, the problem, fellas, is that the roster expansion is so diminished now. You can only bring two guys up. So you you add a catcher and a bullpen arm, and that's that. Um, But I really hope that we get to see Casas because uh, development or not, you would like to get him comfortable. And I think you'd like to get some sense of what he looks like against big league pitching. So for me, those are the two guys uh, because you're not going to see say Don Raffaella you're sure as hell not going to see Marcelo Meyer or Nick York or any of these high impact future prospects so for me it's it really is Wong and Casas down the stretch
3: why do you say there's never been a bigger divide between AAA and the big leagues I think curious. the biggest
1: thing is that the teams in the middle and on the bottom are not trying to win games. They're intentionally tanking, and so they are not going out and signing free agents. And that those are the guys that are sort of on that borderline who are fighting to get back into the big leagues. These guys who have been in there for 10, 12 years, and they're, they're, they're willing to sign a minor league deal with the hope that they, you know, hit get hot for a month and come up. That's no longer part of AAA. I mean, the contending teams do a little bit of it, but there just is not – that stuff down there. Now, you could argue that there's more talent at AAA than there's ever been before because there's younger guys with more potential instead of, you know, sort of retread journeyman people, but there's not the ability to go see a guy with big league savvy who's going to throw you a 2-0 breaking ball that dots the outside corner. You know, it's more predictable down there. Uh, the pitch quality is not as good. Guys don't have as much command of the strike zone, so it's just not it's, and and I just tell you, not only is that those are the reasons behind it but never before in the last two years I have I continue to be alarmed at the numbers that come up from AAA and these guys are lighting the world on fire and then they get to the big leagues and look like in no way do they belong. I mean, you know, pitchers are giving up five runs in an inning and guys are blown away by fastballs and they strike out seven of ten at-bats. So the chasm has never been bigger uh, and it's almost by design uh, at the major league level with all these teams trying to rebuild internally.
2: With a month to go, you think Aaron Judge uh... – Definitely the MVP, or does Shohei Ohtani have a chance?
1: It's a fascinating debate, isn't it? I mean, because – uh, if you throw the pitching into it, which obviously you should, mm-hmm. uh, it's very difficult to argue that there's almost never been a more valuable or impressive player since Babe Ruth. I mean, the guy strikes out 15 and the next night hits two bombs. Right. And, and, and you know, Judge has had an unbelievable year. He has lifted the Yankees and he probably yeah. will win. And I think the unfortunate part yeah. of it is the New York bias uh, probably puts him over the top, but that's not to take anything away from what. Aaron Judge is done. He's just been spectacular from start to finish all year long. I think Judge is the odds-on, like, sort of runaway favorite to win the award Mm -hmm. unless he were to sort of fall off a cliff. But as we sit here today, I'd be really surprised if he didn't win it.
3: Well, Fleming, he'll be a part of the call tonight from Fenway. Red Sox taking on Texas right here on the Shaws and Star Market, WEEI Red Sox Network. Will, thank you, friend. We appreciate it, and uh, we will uh, catch up with you soon. Thank you, sir.
1: A true bleeping pleasure to be with you guys. Mm -hmm. Thanks so
0: much.
3: A true bleeping pleasure. There we go. you, Will.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds?